Welcome to Harvard, a podcast where we want to start a conversation about topics that build strong families. You can find out more about this podcast and the Hope Harbor ministry behind it online at hopeharbormn.org or find us on social media. Thanks for listening. morning, Megan. Good morning. I was going to say good morning to you, and then you started drinking your coffee, and I was waiting for you to stop drinking your coffee. And then you just looked at me. Because I was wondering <laughs> if you, you pushed record. I was wondering if you were to start. I did. I did. We are. We are. Here we are. Welcome to Harvard. Hope Harbor's podcast, starting conversations about topics that help build strong families and communities. It's been like two months, I think, mm-hmm. since we Probably. Have, yeah, I think so. There, uh, yeah, there's just been a lot going on in the past couple of months. We've been, um, let's see, Cindy doesn't like the word busy, so I don't want to use the word busy, but I don't have a more creative word right now for that. But, so we have been really busy the past couple of months, doing lots of stuff. Are you looking up a better word? Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like there is a better word, and it's on the tip of I my know. tongue, really. I know. Um... Not occupied, that's a weird word. Um, working hard. Industrious. Industrious. We have been industrious. Actively engaged. Actively engaged the past two months. Yes. And thus, that's a good word too, mm-hmm. thus not having a whole lot of time to record a podcast. But that's alright, because here we are today. So, um, yeah, what kind of stuff have we been doing the past couple months? What have we been industriously doing? Um, well, January, I know for, so we're kind of on off months here. January was, January and February, because January was a lot of snow days. It was a lot of school presentations and a lot outreach those. opportunities. And then when my wave with that ended, yours started. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. Very, very true. Um, also, I think we just had a ton of snow days. That and, too. And stuff too. So that wasn't quite so much industrious, but I like that word. I'm going to use that word a lot now, industrious. Yeah, we did. Yeah, you had a lot of um, speaking engagements, and then I've kind of started into that season of having a lot of things going on. Mm -hmm. It's been really good. Um, Well, I just can't can't believe that we still are talking about a lot of social social media things going on. Yeah. Which is, like, crazy. But but it's good because that just means people are – taking that message and understanding that it is important. So that's really cool. Uh, also here at the house, we had two girls set sail, right? Since January. Yeah. Yep. And since January, three girls, three girls start their started. program. Three families start their, is that right? Three or four. Three. Three. We should know that. Yeah. We do know that. We just can't think of it at the top of our heads right now. And then yeah. when, and in Winona, it's been, uh, same. I think they had, Two girls start their programs there. They had one girl finish their program in January, mid-January, I think. Mm-hmm. And Parker, they've had a big fundraiser coming up tomorrow, yep. Friday. I guess it depends on dinner, when we actually post this. But Dinner of Hope. Dinner of Hope, yep. That's cool. yeah. Yep, in Parker. Yep. Which had capacity for, I think, 50 guests, and they met that yesterday. That's so awesome. that's really cool. We're excited to see what that's going to look like and. August is a target date for opening up there, and that 
It is coming very fast. Yeah. <laughs> but that's good. That is good. It is. That's really good. It is good. But it'll just be like, it's here. Yep. Yeah, it will be. I think the next few months especially. It's just really crazy. Like, as I look outside before we started recording, you brought up how it's just so nice out today and how it's supposed to be like 60 next week and stuff. It's just crazy to look outside today and just see how different everything looks than it even looked yesterday mm-hmm. and a couple days before. I went for a walk yesterday with my with my kid and I could actually see the um, air conditioner outside. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wow, I've like had to dig that out four or five times this winter. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy to see that and just how much stuff can change so quickly. But as I just think about like opening up in Parker in August, it's going to go really fast. Stuff's going to change really quickly, but mm-hmm. that's really important. So it'll be an industrious time. It will be an industrious time for sure. The summer will be an industrious, sum, industrious, industrious summer. So yes, it will. That's really cool. Exciting. So anyway, that was a lot of uh, intro, but that's okay. Updates. Yep, updates are good. Today we're hoping to talk about, hoping to. I don't think we're hoping to. We're we will. We're planning to. We will. Hopefully. <laughs> go backwards. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. Uh, today we're going to be discussing um, a tool that we added to our website in January. Um, it's a assessment that families can take. It's geared for parents, but I suppose teenagers could take it too, kids could take it too, or whoever could take it. But it's an assessment that one of our board members recommended that we put together. And so um, we did that at the end of December and added it to the website in January. And it's an assessment called Does My Teen Need Help? Um, and so we're going to just talk about that today and what the purpose of that is and what some of the questions are and what the answers to those questions might mean. Um, when Max, our board member, recommended it, I really thought it was a good idea. I wasn't really sure how it was going to be received, and it's been crazy because I think I get probably two or three of those at least every week, mm-hmm. some weeks even more, um, of people filling them out. So um, it's just kind of interesting to get that information. So we're going to talk about those and some of those things on there. If you've been on our website, I think it's on, I think it's in two places. It's on our homepage. Actually, it might be in like three places. It's on our homepage. It's on our frequently asked questions page. And I think it's on our admissions page too. So, um, yeah, cool. that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. I know that parents, the parents that are in the program now really, I think two of them utilized it and that really helped confirm and kind of give them the push to mm-hmm. either be reached out to or call or whichever. So mm-hmm. they've, they've mentioned that when, during, during our time. Yeah. What's been really cool about it too is, um, so there's an option on there if you want us to contact you or not. So if you fill it out, um, you can just choose just to fill it out and not have any contact with us. You can choose um, a button that says, that will contact you or you contact us or whatever it might be. So what's really cool is that regardless, every one of them that comes in, um, we pray about and I, and I pray for the families that are in there, no matter what the answers that they put in there. Um, just the fact that they're going out looking at it for families that, um, fill it out and find out that their answers or that their, um, score is kind of low and might be looking into whether or not their, their teen does need help. Um, definitely those families need prayer. The ones that are kind of in the middle tier, and aren't sure if they need help or not, if it's time to get help, I think really especially need prayer because you're trying to figure out, okay, 
It's maybe not at the point where we need residential help, but things aren't going very well. And even the families that are scoring a little bit higher, like I think everybody needs prayer. So yeah, that's been really cool to be able to do that. Um, and then especially, yeah, the families that we do connect with, to be able to talk with them and pray with them and whether or not they move forward and, and get help through our program or not, it's cool to be able to talk with them and pray with them through their situations. Definitely. Which is really neat. Um, I think there's a couple of our families that are in Winona as well that that used that tool before contacting us. And then we've gotten a ton of them filled out for boys, mm-hmm. um, which I think is especially hard because right now we don't have a home open for boys. So when we get those, um, I still contact the families and talk with them and pray with them and stuff. But it is hard because I can't offer them services right now. Yeah. So back to that industrious industriousness that we need to have happen so we can get that house open. For sure. In Parker. So, yeah. So, Megan, what are your kind of thoughts as we look through some of the questions? There's, I think there's 20 questions. Um, and they kind of range all over. I just want to talk about a few of the different questions on there and, and what the implication is for that. some of them. I think the first question that's on there is, is our home life satisfying and peaceful? And then when you answer that, you can choose yes, no, or sometimes. I always think that's one of the most interesting yeah. questions on there because when we're going, when anybody is going through hard times and hard stuff and stuff's going on, um, you get into this sort of norm and like this new norm mm-hmm. and you change things and everything becomes a little bit relative. Right. And to be able to have to answer that question, is my home life satisfying and peaceful? To look at that and have to give your, give an answer on that, I think can be really eye-opening. Yeah, for sure. Because I think too, yeah, like you were saying, that new norm. So they could... When they're in it, they're like, okay, this is just what we do every single day. Like, this is how we get by every single day. But then to sit down and think and put those two words, is it satisfying and peaceful? You're kind of looking at like, yep, nope. <laughs> not. Or even sometimes. Or sometimes. But, yeah, but to, to especially say no. And sometimes it, at bedtime. Yeah, <laughs> when I'm sleeping. But for some families, that's also still not a, a peaceful or satisfying time. And the question isn't, is my home life perfect? Is everything right. perfect at home? Is everything good? It's not even, you know, the question isn't even, is my home life good? Yeah. Because, I don't know. Well, because a, a home life can be bad in someone's mind, but yet still be peaceful. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, bad to people mean different things. Right, exactly. But is it satisfying? And, and when I think of that word satisfying, I think of, like, uh is it meeting my expectations or mm-hmm. meeting our goals? You know, are we satisfied with with the environment that we have? Do we want it to be different? And I think that's probably really where that question is going. Um, is it satisfying or do you want things to be different? Right. And when we sit down with families, when I talk with families on the phone for a phone interview and then when families come and we sit down all together for an interview here, that's a question that we always ask the parents and the teen, um, are you are you happy with where things are going? Are you satisfied with where things are going in your life or do you want things to be different? Because you don't have to, we don't maybe always want to admit that we need help or we need things, mm-hmm. uh, we need help, but we can admit 
I'm not happy with where things are at. I want things to be different, whatever right. that might look like. So I think that's really where that that question is going. And that's also a question that's being, you know, that's one thing I should say. A lot of times when I get these surveys submitted, it's like on the weekends, usually, or late at night, or late at night on the weekends, uh, midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And so that's kind of telling me that families are out there at this time of desperation and this time of can't sleep, can't sleep, thinking about what's going on. Sometimes something really big just happened. Sometimes that's one o'clock in the morning is the only peaceful time right. that they have and they're going out there and just seeking, seeking some answers during that time. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think there's a question on there about, what's the second one about? My teen's behavior make me concerned for his safety, his or her safety. I think that's an interesting question too. To have to take a second, because again, I, and I think maybe all of these can go back to being relative in the moment, too, and, mm-hmm. and we change that norm, but to take a second and step back and think about, mm-hmm. are the behaviors that my my teen is exhibiting right now, does it make me concerned for their safety? Right. And that's not really a question, that is just like an easy question to answer, that really gets them thinking, and get, gets families thinking like, okay... They're safe when they're at home, like they may not be angry and or whatever, but when they're not at home, am I concerned for their safety? Right. When they're down in the room, am I concerned for their safety? When they're so it's a very broad question, but also makes them think about every aspect of what their child is doing, where mm-hmm. their child is at. And I think that's really important too, because at Hope Harbor we're big on safety mm-hmm. of our residents, of you know, their families, of our staff. Safety is just mm-hmm. very, very important, and felt safety is the baseline of all of all things. So if you're not feeling safe, there's probably, if you're concerned for your child's mm-hmm. safety, there's probably a high chance that they're also concerned right. for their own safety. Right, absolutely. I think sometimes we get into this back and forth of, well, it could be a lot worse, or she's done a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Oh, this isn't as bad as what she's done before. That doesn't mean that what that behavior is safe though. Just because right. it could be worse or it has been worse or you're glad it wasn't worse doesn't mean that that behavior is a safe behavior and mm-hmm. a behavior that you want to see keep happening. And I can remember over the years too having um, a lot of families share that they have just hit a point where they go downstairs. You mentioned you're thinking about your kid being downstairs and wondering if they're safe. I can remember a lot of families sharing um, that concern of going downstairs and knocking on their daughter's door and not getting an answer mm-hmm. and wondering what's going on in there, what happened, did she hurt herself, you know, did, did she escalate things even more, mm-hmm. uh, is she still there? I can't, I can't imagine, you know, living that every single day in your home. Right. But sometimes you get so into the norm of that to be able to stop and take a step back and really ask yourself, am I concerned for my child's safety? And and do that. There's a question about um, personal devices. My teen gives me access to his or her phone or personal devices. So we've talked a lot about social media, but what are your thoughts on that one, Megan? How was it worded again? My teen gives me access to his or her phone or personal devices. How's that one an important question in considering? 
Well, I think even for safety, if they're not willing to share anything with you, that means they're being unsafe online right. or they know that they're doing something bad. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it goes beyond just an invasion of privacy, um, which in their mind, that's what they're thinking. But, but it means some, something's up with, right. with that. If they're not sharing their phone with you, if they're not willing to do that. I mean, and that's kind of, we, I don't know why this whole in society we're just, we just don't want to share. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just don't want to share our phones. There mm-hmm. might be absolutely nothing on it, but as a parent, it's good to have that open communication and have your time away from your phone so that you can, you know, it's not that like you're going to go looking for it, but it's explained, you know, for right. your safety, I want to make sure that we're on the same page. And, right. And I think it's important if, if you answer that they're not, they're not willing to give you their device. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a little flag. Right. Okay. They're doing something they shouldn't be or talking to someone they shouldn't be talking to you and, and how, because sometimes when you let that loose and okay, they have their, they can have their phone all night long. It's, it's hard to rein that one back in right. for sure. I think it speaks a lot to the relationship in general that's uh-huh. going on in the family because sometimes, absolutely, you're right, sometimes it's a matter of a kid doesn't want to give up their phone or give access to their phone because they're getting into some stuff and they're mm-hmm. into some things. Sometimes it's just a major control thing yeah, or whatever. Yeah, but it, and that's the part that's like, Oh, I'm not doing anything wrong, but I don't want to give up my phone. Right. <laughs> it just and it speaks a lot to to that relationship that if you put in the time um, to build that relationship with the teen beforehand, so that you can say that, and that they know it's not always coming down to suspicion. It's coming back to we're talking about safety. Mm-hmm. It's coming back to talking about safety. When I just did the, I just did a presentation in Canby earlier this week and sent out a survey to the kids ahead of time, and one of the questions is, do you feel like you're safe when you are online texting that kind of thing and something like 20% of the kids said or 25% of the kids said no or maybe that they feel safe using their phones or devices so you know whatever 25% aren't sure if they feel safe and I was just thinking about that about you know when I have my phone I, I feel safe most of the time almost always using my phone or using the internet or those things, very rarely do I feel unsafe. Or if my phone's in my pocket or on my desk and it goes off, um, I can't ever, hardly ever think of a time that I am concerned about what I'm going to see when I pick it up. Um, so it, for me, it's just crazy that 25% of kids in a school can't say that. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that too, of my phone sitting on my desk at work all the day. All day, I couldn't imagine it going off and me picking it up and seeing a nude photo or a threatening message or something like that. And 25% of kids are feeling that way. Yeah. Or if I handed, if I handed you a box mm-hmm. and I said, you know, there's 25% chance that this is unsafe. Good luck. Carry this around all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't imagine that. It's just crazy. And so for kids to feel that way. And then you don't necessarily know what is on the other end of that line. That just blows my mind, which is why it is so important to be able to have those conversations with kids and, and build that relationship. For sure. And having access to, a, to their device is part of that. You know, and I should say, too, as we talk about these, if people are answering no or sometimes to 
these questions, it doesn't always mean it doesn't always mean that the child's in major danger and and the family's in major danger mm-hmm. and everything's falling apart and everybody needs to be in in counseling or residential or anything like that. But this is really just kind of a gauge to again right. start the conversation. And I think it's a good even self check. Mm-hmm. Like okay. I'm going to use that tool as a self, mm-hmm. like, family check. Where are we at here? Right. That's where, a great point. Like, where are we at with our relationship? If Can I answer no? And if I can't quite yet, how can I get there to do that? And, and what can we do as a family? And um, Because a lot of people, you know, everyone has wisdom and can gain that wisdom from God, from the Holy Spirit within you to discern what needs to change and and what needs to happen in your relationship. So I think that it is a really good self-check tool about which direction Mm -hmm. we need to go as a family. Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes as you look at some of these questions and things, and you do, you get that self-check and you get that gauge, you can take that home and and maybe even sit down and talk as a family and say, this is where I answered some things or or ask kids, you know, what do you think I answered about Mm -hmm. this? Or that, and sometimes just being able to sit down and, and have the conversations, I think that's one of the biggest things, the biggest tools that we use here in this program with families is to give kind of a restart to sit down and talk and have yeah. communication and have conversations, yeah. and we just sort of facilitate that. Definitely. And so if families can do that on their own, that's great. Um, There's a question that I was just thinking about. Uh, my teen self-harms or does not take care of themselves um some of the implications that are in that what are some of the things that can be going on in a in a teen's head if they're not taking care of themselves just a a lot of it is just negative self-talk so it it goes back to why take care of myself if I'm not I don't think of myself as pretty or I don't think of myself as awesome or whatever beautiful Mm -hmm. so I just I I don't care so I'm not going to do anything about it right I'm you know, you get to a point where it's like, well, if I don't care, no one else is going to care, and nobody cares already, so mm-hmm. why try? Right. Like we did that training earlier this week with somebody from, I'm probably going to screw this up, American Suicide Prevention Foundation. Is that right? Yes. I, I, every time I, because it's accurate. Accru- A-S-P-F. A-S-P-F. Oh, that's but then an A. Like sun, sunshine. Exactly. Gotcha. All right, SPF. So, American Suicide Prevention Foundation. Um, uh, Cassandra Linkmeyer, I think it mm-hmm. was, came in and, and did a presentation for us on Tuesday um, about their their organization and about suicide prevention and depression and some different things. And it was really, really good. And I'm excited to look into some more of their resources and partner with them on some more stuff. But as we talked about depression and, and anxiety and a lot of those things, and we watched this kind of cheesy video mm-hmm. but but it was good it made its point it was mm-hmm. it was it was geared for teenagers I think and that that was one of the things that you did see in some of those kids' lives as they became more depressed or more anxious or things were going on maybe taking care of themselves a little bit lesser or not yeah. as well can be a sign of some of that it takes a back seat to everything else because if you imagine being like I mean how they it's just tunnel vision like you just see like that's it right. And you don't care really about anything else. You just want to lay down and not move. And I think right. a lot of us go through periods like that. But sometimes it's like I tell people, like, take that and multiply it by 10. Mm-hmm. That's 
when a person is feeling like they want to take their life, then that's the point that their eyes mm-hmm. just dialed into mm-hmm. that. And they, that, was, that was so interesting, the, the verbiage that she used during that, like how to change your words. Right. That was so interesting to me because um, she talked about um, changing words from saying, oh, so-and-so committed suicide to changing it to um, death by suicide. Death by suicide. Or um, killed themselves. There's a third one, too, but I can't remember what it was. And then she also used the word suicided. Yeah, suicided. Suicided. Mm-hmm. As a, is that a verb, right? Yeah. I think. Um, which, I don't... That, that's a weird word to me. I don't know if I could use that. But I agree that I thought that was really interesting. Um, because to say commit suicide means... Like you commit murder or you commit a crime, so it sounds like a negative, a negative, negative right? Versus it's actually truly uh, a disease, and yeah. um, the the depression and the things that lead to that are truly a disease, and it is a means, you know, unfortunately a a permanent means to an end in in that case. But yeah, it was a really good teaching. I think it's ASPF dot org or something like mm-hmm. that i'll have to look and see and so we can link to it but there's some really good stuff on that website um but going back to that not taking care of yourself and, and especially when you're depressed or things are going on so little rabbit trail here maybe not really rabbit trail but i was thinking i am not depressed and i it is a lot of work to get up and get dressed Seriously. and dry your hair and do your makeup and do all that kind of stuff do anyway. with your hair. <laughs> Just throw it up in a ponytail all the time. So, you know, when you're already not feeling good about yourself or feeling down or feeling, you know, worthless or the different things, or sometimes, you know, with, with anxiety and depression, you just really like your body physically hurts or... You just really are so tired and you can't, you just feel so hopeless. So to compound already how difficult it can be to mm-hmm. get up and get dressed, I'm not trying to minimize that. I'm being very, very real there. There are lots of days that I don't want to do those things mm-hmm. and just end up in sweatpants. Um, there's a question that we that I put on there, that we put on there. We lock or have considered locking doors inside our home in response to our teen's behaviors. Um, And I put that on there really because over the years, I've had a lot of families that we've worked with that have told us that is their reality. That's what's going on in their home. And I can't imagine um, living that way every single day, hitting a point where you're so at a loss of what to Mm -hmm. do that you know i've got i've had families that everybody else in the house has put locks on their doors to keep the the teen with the behaviors out and i've had families that have had to put locks on on their kids doors well it's like you lock strangers out you don't lock your children out but at but at a point when they become so either depressed or anxious or they become someone you don't know so they become kind of a a stranger that you don't really understand right. how to how to handle mm-hmm. and and you want them to express themselves mm-hmm. in some way but also keep everybody else safe so i can imagine what mm-hmm. that what that's like to just feel like you have to lock there's there's a lot of emotion in that mm-hmm. like fear guilt um 
fear. (laughs) (laughs) Just going back to fear. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And you, you do, it becomes again, a means to an end, but you lock doors to protect for protection. Like you were just saying from strangers and things to, for protection. Um, and, but I can understand as, as I, as families share those things and then they share a little bit more of their reality and their story. I am like, Oh yeah, no, I can totally see why you're locking mm-hmm. doors and you're doing things like that. But what comes into that then is now this has become the norm. Yep. And then if that's become our new norm, what is going to, what's going to come next? Yeah. Because it's just going to continue to escalate. Yep. And then I think on the other piece of that too, to be that teen that is being locked out and to know it to some degree within you knowing why that's happening and understanding yeah i can see why my family's locking doors for me because i'm i'm stealing or i'm busting into their room or i'm going through their stuff um occasionally it's because i've had families that have shared their teen gets physical or they're mm-hmm. afraid their teen's going to get physical mm-hmm. so they add those things sometimes it's a teen who's going through their siblings' bedrooms and stuff and stealing stuff or mm-hmm. whatever. And so I, I can understand those things. But I think that one that one for me is a is a big red flag because nobody should have to live in fear. The teens shouldn't have to live in fear that they are causing those kinds of things or they're they're generating that environment. Mm-hmm. And the family shouldn't have to live in fear that that's that's what their new reality has to be. So if you're at a point where you're having to add extra locks in your house for that. That's definitely something we'd like to talk with our family about. Definitely. Another question. Uh, my teen's behaviors have negatively affected my marriage, my other children or extended family, or my friendships or work. That's another one that we talk to quite a bit um, with families. We get... We get families with all kinds of different backgrounds that we work with. Um, adopted families, biological families, um, step parents, yep. that kind of thing, blended families, all that kind of stuff. Things that are coming in. And uh, definitely when there's behaviors coming up with one person in your home, it's going to affect other people. And we've had lots of families and parents who have said, that they've had to go down to working part-time or they've had to be very open with their employers about their personal life and their family because they're having to leave all the time and yeah. answer calls from the school and answer calls from the police or the kid won't get out of bed. And we've been, it's been really cool over the years as I look back at how many families we've worked with that their employers are just really genuinely heartfelt people who understand those kinds of things and and help the families out we've even had families that have had employers help contribute towards their kids tuition yeah which is cool but I mean if I think about that for sure I can see how the behaviors that are going on in a in a family's life are gonna negatively impact that work environment too Mm -hmm. definitely what are some of your thoughts on on the relationships with extended family and um I think it's marriages right I think a lot of that um a lot of the behaviors that you see in a teen definitely affect more than just the siblings and the parents um it does and it doesn't one one thing it does do 
Um, it can affect ex extended family to where you don't feel like you can go to holidays or do anything with your family because um, aunt so-and-so is mm. mad at your kid or aunt whatever right. and you don't want to set anyone off and then the grandparents get stressed because they want everyone together <laughs> and it, it becomes sad for all of them. There's that side of it. And then there's other side of it where nobody knows that you're like even if we've had families come where their extended family doesn't re doesn't even know about the problems that are in the home. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it really can go both directions. Yeah, and so they don't know and they don't understand, um, and then that isolates the parents to where the parents feel even more stressed because their own sisters or brothers or parents don't see what they see. So then, then in turn, they feel kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, are we doing something wrong? My kid gets along with. Grandma gets along with this aunt and uncle, doesn't get along with me, mm -hmm. whichever. And that's hurtful, so that creates a distance dynamic, too. I mean, if you were a parent, I wouldn't want to... And my kid was giving grandma so-and-so more attention than me, I would be like, okay, I can't... Like, I would feel like... That it, it, would, it separates, for sure. For it separates sure. families, and then on the other side, they don't understand, so... And we've had families come in where their extended family doesn't know that their daughter's here. Mm -hmm. um, and when they tell them, they're very, very surprised. Mm -hmm. Some, and that goes two ways as well, some right. get upset because they didn't know about it. Right. Um, and some feel super guilty that they didn't know about right. it. Yeah, some, and some of the extended family will even maybe sometimes question that, mm -hmm. that decision to place. And, or, yeah, like you said, they'll feel guilty because they didn't know or they have an idea that, well, maybe I could have helped. And, yeah. and so it definitely can be a hard thing. And, and I'm absolutely all for having extended family and things like that be a support group yes. before uh, it hits a point of, of residential program and during and after. Absolutely. And there are cases and situations where aunt so-and-so could help out in this or could have, Ultimately, that strongest relationship, though, needs to always come back to the teen and the parents. Yep. And so if it hits a point where aunt and uncle or grandpa and grandma or even just a friend, a family friend or something like that, even a very qualified family friend, mm -hmm. somebody who, who works in a counseling field or something like that is offering to step in and help out or let a teen live with them and stuff, that can be helpful short term, like mm -hmm. a couple of days for a little bit of respite. But if it's going beyond that, there needs to be some big things that are that mm -hmm. are changing within the whole family dynamic for sure. Definitely. Another question: My teen thinks I'm overreacting if I talk to him or her about my concerns. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of a fun one. It is kind of a fun one. <laughs> like, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which can also go a lot of different ways. I yeah. will say we have had some families where. The, the teen themselves are the one who are asking for help or the teen themselves are the one who have stepped forward and said, you know, mm -hmm. I, I need something a little bit more. So I'm not going to just dog on the kids completely here. But I'm not surprised when I hear uh, families say that I don't, you know, I've tried to talk to my kid about this or I could never talk to my kid yep. about my concerns because they'll flip out. And again, we already talked a couple of times about communicating and relationships, but it is really important to be able to have, to be able to have that. Uh, another question. My teen doesn't sleep well at night. 
and we are that also talks about hygiene in there. We kind of talked about that already. Mm-hmm. But sleep, sleep plays such a huge role in our physical health, in our mental health, in our spiritual health, for sure. Um, in our relationships. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of your thoughts on on that importance of sleep? Well, I think just if if I mean, obviously, if someone's not sleeping, that's because your wheels are turning. Yeah. Um, if kids are going through something at school that, that the parents don't know about, they're not going to sleep well. I mean, they're going to be, their minds will be turning about things. I mean, we've, we have residents um, who sometimes, there's, I mean, there's not all much that happens here, but they still can't sleep in it because thinking about outside mm-hmm. things, past things that have mm-hmm. happened, bully, being bullied, mm-hmm. things that happened online that could have gone differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and they stay awake. But it's so funny, too, when they come here, they get that long period of sleep, and they just start to look better. Right. And so it's so important to to sleep and drink a lot of water, um, because if your body feels better, your mind is going to feel better. But mm-hmm. if your body is, and it's hard to push through that, but sleep is a big, big part of that. Um, and so if your teen isn't sleeping well, that means their body's drained, mm-hmm. which then in turn is going to make their mental health be the same. Right. Follow suit with that. It's right. just draining to go through a whole night overthinking about different things, and and kids' minds are just de- continuing to develop at this pace of like they don't know how to compartmentalize mm-hmm. different things, so they can rest. Everything is instant. I need it now. I need to know now. Right. I mean, it's hard for adults even sometimes, right. especially with like phones and stuff like that. Yeah. And especially, absolutely, if your teen is sleeping with their phone in their room and that kind of stuff, and they're dealing with different things that are going on, or there's unsafe things happening on their phones, and then really having a hard time shutting that off. Mm-hmm. And we have become so dependent on that because our phone becomes our uh, alarm clock, and yep. our phone becomes, I'm listening to music or really good podcasts like this one before I go to sleep, or things like that, so... And it can be hard, you know, if you're not in, if you don't feel safe where you're sleeping, you're not going to be able to sleep. Right. And so if a kid or a family has, if kids gone through some trauma in their home or in their room or around sleeping time, bedtime anyway, it's going to be hard if their home environment is, isn't safe and comfortable, even if they're the one making the home environment. Yep not safe and comfortable if they're not safe there they're gonna have a hard time sleeping so definitely that's sometimes that's kind of a restart that's here because we work so hard to make this a safe environment and a safe place and that can be a good restart for them mm-hmm. well let's pick one more question on here um as we talk about that oh one other thing i just want to say about sleep as you're looking at that you know the average healthy adult needs like six to eight hours of sleep a day Kids need more like 10 hours yeah. of sleep a day. And as so much stuff that they have going on with different extracurriculars and extra homework and all these different things happening if they need a job. And that's just all the stuff that doesn't have to do with their their wellness and their mental health and stuff. And then if you add in their um, anxiety or depression or past trauma or different things going on, then there doesn't leave a whole lot of time for eight to 10 hours of sleep for a teenager. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to cut back a little bit. Yeah. So one last question off of there, which one? I think one of the ones as we tie into who we are, um, the last question there, it says my teen is angry at God. Mm. 
And I think that's, if you don't know if you can answer that, I feel like that is a good conversation starter to mm-hmm. have with your teen. Absolutely. If you, if you say, I look at that because I don't really know, you know? Right. Because how are you going to know unless you ask? Absolutely. So I think it, it, that one is a good, well, I'm going to go ask them to see where they're at with God and, and start that conversation for sure. Absolutely. And I, I like that, that question and really no matter what answer you give on there is it's, it's totally fine because we're all over the place and things. And there's, there's days that I'm a little mad at God (laughs) because things aren't going the way I want it to or the way I think it should have gone. Um, thankfully I've, I've, learned and matured a little bit yep. and where to go with that and what to do with it. But if a kid's not mad at God, great. That's that's good. And we're going to work with that. If they are mad at God, good. Right. Because <laughs> then they're acknowledging that, that God exists and we can work we can work on those things and we can go through those things and kind of help them navigate through and find some answers. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Well, there's a lot more questions on there. I think we must have covered about eight or ten of them. Um, if you go onto our website, like I said, it's on the home page, it's on the frequently asked questions page, and it's on the admissions page, I believe. And you can take that. You don't have to add your name to it. You can just do it anonymously. It'll send you the results. You can opt to add your name, and then I'll give you a call and talk with you and pray with you um, and anything in between. Um, you can do it if you're a parent or a grandparent or a caregiver or whatever. And again, it's just a, it's, this is not a scientific tool by any mm-hmm. means. This is just an assessment that we came up with based on questions that we talk with families about when they call, based on information families have given us over the years, and just some different things that we look at as we work with families. So thanks for listening today. Anything you want to add, Megan, before we... Not really. Before we end? Good? My coffee's out. Your coffee's out? Mine is about half full, but it's kind of cold, (laughs) but I drink cold coffee anyway, so it's totally fine. So, <laughs> so that's good, but I'm going to go get some more now that you brought that up. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. As always, you can find us um, on our website, www.hopeharbormn.org. Um, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, uh, all those kinds of things. So thanks for listening. <laughs>